Let's go ahead and well, help me. Can we just clap? There's people outside. We, got, we call it the outdoor venue. Can you just welcome them as well? People outside, we love you. We see you. We are glad you're here. People online, we love you. We see you. And we're glad you're here with us as well. The series is called Investigating Jesus. This is week two of the series. I explained to you last night, every time a new series rolls around, it's like Christmas morning for a pastor. And so I'm going to try and downshift a little so I don't speak this fast for the entire message. That would be good for all of us, I bet. So let me pray and we'll dive right in, okay? Uh, God, Father, we ask that you would be in our midst. God, as we speak, I just pray that it's your word that would be here filling us. As we open up the words of Jesus and learn about his life, I just pray that supernaturally you would impart life to us, you would fill us, you would bring us what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Question for you as we get going. This will be the warm-up question for you. Have you ever turned down plans and then totally ended up regretting it. I mean, like, you know how it went that time? They're like, hey, we're all going to do blank. And then and you're like, no, thank you. You were all people out. You're a little tired that week. So you didn't end up going to the plans. And then the one time you don't go, they all end up going your favorite place and doing your, or something uncanny happened. We were all at dinner and, oh my gosh, you should have been there. We met Bono. And you're like, what? We never met Bono before. And then it happened the time you're there. Or here's, here's the opposite. Here's the opposite. And this one would be mine. Have you ever had a moment where you do go to something and then it ends up being way more spectacular and way more uh, powerful or life-changing than you expected? I had a friend it, when I was in college, I was a sophomore in college, and I was the epitome of that broke college student. And he invited me home to go to Christmas dinner with his family. And so his family was having Christmas dinner at a place called the Melting Pot. Anybody been to the Melting Pot? It's the fondue and the cheese courses and the things. And, and I had not really been to a fancy restaurant or fancy dinner up to that point in my life. And so I'm a broke college kid. I said, I'll go to the Melting Pot. Sure, no problem. And so I went back to his hometown for the family dinner, Christmas dinner at the Melting Pot. And unbeknownst to me, a young woman, we all pull up to the restaurant. We go, hey, be there at this time. We all get out of cars. And some young woman named Brittany had also been invited to the dinner. And if you've been to the Melting Pot, you know that you kind of have the, di the dinner in pairs. And somebody had arranged for her to be there. It was such a blind date that I didn't even know it was a date or a blind date. She gets out of the car. We get paired up for the dinner. That was in 2005. It is 2022. And we have been married for 15 years this coming October. Okay? So it's like, didn't know what I was getting into. And when I said yes, sir, when I responded to the invite, I had no clue what was hanging on the other side. Hold on to that. That'll come back around in just a moment. The series is called Investigating Jesus. And here's why. We're in Luke's gospel, and Luke wrote this gospel account because he decided to investigate Jesus. His gospel account, Luke 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, begins like this. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the words. With this in mind, since I myself 
carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that's a friend of Luke, so that you may know with certainty, put that word in your pocket for later, with certainty, the things you have been taught. And so, quick backstory on Luke. Luke was minding his business. He lived in Rome, and, and with the help of Google Maps, we came to discover that that's a 560 three-hour journey on foot. So, so Luke lives uh, 563 hours away from Jerusalem where the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ took place. And so in just a few quick years, word about this Jewish rabbi who was the son of God spreads through the entire Roman Empire. And there's this growing number of people who say, Caesar is no longer Lord. There is a new Lord. His name is Jesus, and we are following him. So this creates such a ruckus. Word makes it back to Rome, where Luke is from. And Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. He had a medical practice. And so he leaves that behind. He bankrolls, pays for his own investigatory journey down to Jerusalem. He comes to find out through talking to eyewitnesses, through corroborating reports, through fact-checking, and all of the different things that he comes to believe that Jesus Christ is, in fact, Son of God, died for all of humanity, rose from the dead, and he actually catches up to the spread of the gospel, becomes a missionary, spends his time with guys like Paul and John Mark and others, spreading the gospel. And so when we read Luke, we are reading the notes. So he took all kinds of notes and talked to all kinds of people and then assembled an orderly account to give to his friends in Rome so they may have certainty about the things they came to believe. Now, let's stop on that word certainty for just a moment. When, when I think about certainty, I think about the last two and a half years that all of us have lived through. And I think of the things that we've wanted certainty about. We've wanted certainty as to how to live our lives, certainty as the best way forward for kids, certainty as how to educate children, uh, students. You want certainty about where you're going in your career and what's next for you in your life. We want certainty about, uh, you know, socioeconomic policy. We want certainty in our global climate. We are certainty people. We go to great lengths to try and find certainty wherever we can get it. And all the while, I think of this book. I think of Jesus, and I think of his word. I simply think, how could you get more certain than this? Everywhere this takes hold, brokenness gets replaced with wholeness. Light shines in darkness and lives get transformed. When nations lean into this in their policy and in the way they govern, all of a sudden those nations grow strong and they grow whole. When communities decide to build themselves on the principles of Jesus and his word, those communities flourish and thrive, specifically the lives of women and children in those communities. When households decide that Jesus and his word are going to be the foundation of the household, those households grow stronger 
and more whole. If you are on a certainty quest, I don't know if you can do much better than this. Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about Him spread through the whole countryside. Now, this is picking up from last week. We met John the Baptist last week. We talked about who John the Baptist was and what his message was and the way he was preparing the way for Jesus. He was like the opening act. He was coming before Jesus. And so he's down at the Jordan River and he's baptizing and John is there making his usual announcement. And then one day Jesus comes walking down. John throws out the lesson plan that day and says, guys, this is everything I've been talking about. The hope, the healing, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world is right there. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. In other words, I'm not even worthy to be a slave to Jesus. So he baptizes Jesus and Jesus comes out of that water and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus and people actually see it and experience it. And from that moment forward, it is game on. Jesus moves into ministry from there and it says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. It goes on. It says he was teaching in their synagogues Everyone praised him. A couple things here. Everyone, get your head around that. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. He was winsome. He was lovable. It says everyone, not just those who had their lives together, not just the religious elite, not just those who were in his inner circle. Jesus had this magnetism to him. And, and when you follow Jesus closely, the same thing happens in you. And I'm not just saying Jesus helps you win popularity contests and, and makes you more uh, political around the workplace so everybody likes you. I'm saying when you begin to follow him, your life is filled with a joy that is contagious. You are marked by a hope and a love for others and a quiet confidence because of the hope you have. And that is what people are dying for in the world around us. And so that's what happens. People are starting to follow him. He's teaching in synagogues. And so Jesus would go and he would set up shop. And these are like little Jewish, not temples, but worship sites around the Mediterranean rim that had been spread all over the place. And, and it is here where Jesus will actually meet Peter. And so um, what happens is Peter is at a synagogue one day. So he goes to a church 